appreciate that very much. We're going to go to Leviticus chapter 3, uh, the book of Leviticus chapter number 3, and then we're going to read a little bit there, then we'll flip over just a couple of pages to Leviticus chapter 7. It uh, won't take very long to do that, we'll read a little bit there, and then try to get right on into the message, good Lord willing, uh, as we continue on in our series of Scarlet Thread. <clears throat> following the, the scarlet thread of the blood through the Bible. I, I'm, I love it. I just love it. <clears throat> the God of the Old Testament is still the God of the New Testament. God of the New Testament still was the God of the Old Testament. He's always been gracious. He's always been merciful. And I think we can see that over and over again, uh, even in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 3, look at verse number 1 there. It says, And if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it of the herd, whether it be male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And he shall offer the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the caul above the liver, which uh, with the kidneys it shall, he, it shall he take away. And Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is, is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire, of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Now, chapter 7, just a few pages over to chapter number 7. We're just going to read a few verses there also. <clears throat> Look down to verse number 11, if you would, please. Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with, a, with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. I like that. Even God likes fried food. That's awesome. Absolutely. Verse 13. Beside the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. And of it, he shall offer one out of the whole oblation for an heave offering unto the Lord. And it shall be the priest that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offereth his sacrifice. And on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten. But the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burnt with fire. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings be e eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted neither shall it be imputed unto him that offereth it. It shall be an, abo an abomination, and the soul that eateth of it shall bear his iniquity. Now, 
I read verse 18 with our reading because he said, you're, you're going to eat of it one day. You'll eat of it two days. Uh, but uh, you're not going to eat of it the third day. On the third day, you burn it all. And then he says this, and if you do eat it on the third day, it's not going to be accepted. Well, good great preacher, why not? Because God said so. Now, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. Come on, I want you to get this point. Because God said so. Because God said so. Okay, we can't make the Word of God say what we want it to say. The Word of God says what it says. And God's instructions, whether we like it or not, are to be taken seriously. And if He says, don't eat any of it on the third day, or whatever He might say to not do, we better listen. We'll do real well to listen. Oh, absolutely so. Yeah, so. so leave your Bible open there. And uh, we're going to preach tonight about being reconciled, reconciled by atonement. Let's pray. Father, one last time, we just ask for your power to preach this message the way that you would have it done. I need some help. My flesh is weary. Uh, Lord, the Spirit's willing. We pray that you just use us now, please, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. <clears throat> so let's just do a little review. Just a little review of where we have been so far. What we've seen so far of God's uh, scarlet thread of atonement we followed through the Word of God. We started in the Garden of Eden. And we know that atonement covers the shame of sin. Adam and Eve hid themselves because they were ashamed. And so God shed blood of an animal, made them coats to cover their shame. And then we went to Mount Moriah and we found out that even good people need atonement. What do you mean, preacher? Well, although Abraham had exhibited great obedience by listening to God and great faith by even raising his knife and ready to sacrifice his own son, God still provided a ram for an offering. There still had to be shedding of blood. No, 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 no. Even good people need atonement. Even good people need to be saved by the grace of God. Listen, if you've ever tried to witness to people, you've heard it, you've heard it said before, well, I'm a good person. I've never killed any Anybody. I've never, I'm not that bad. I mean, it's not like I'm that bad. Even good people, good moral people need atonement. And then we went to Exodus and, and uh, we found out the atonement sets us free from the bondage of sin. It sets us free from the judgment of God. Somebody say amen right there. So very thankful for that. And then we talked about the burnt offering uh, uh, last week and how atonement removes our guilt before God. Thank God for that. We also talked about the meat offering and how atonement invites us to a life of grateful dependence upon God. And we'll never go wrong being dependent upon God. Being totally dependent upon Him. We'll never go wrong being dependent upon God. He can supply all our need. That's our God. No, no We're never going to go wrong that way. <coughs> excuse me. Now the third offering is <coughs> excuse me, called the peace offering. And it celebrates the uh, benefits of being reconciled to God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, you don't need to turn over there. It explains what the peace offering really pictured. Because in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, listen to this, listen, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good start right there. By whom also we have 
access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So we, no, no, we have been saved by the grace of God. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, I talked to, I talked to you about it before. How when I got saved by the grace of God, one of the greatest things that I experienced at that time was peace. A peace that I'd never had before. I mean, wonderful. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. When we, by faith, call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save us from our sins, we receive peace uh, with God. And we are immediately brought into a right relationship with God. I love that. No, I didn't have to pray through. I trusted Christ as my Savior, and just like that, I had peace with God. No, 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 no. Just, just like that, I had a right relationship with God. Well, what would you have to clean up? Didn't clean up anything. Came to Him right where I was. Trusted Christ as my Savior. And immediately, immediately I had a right relationship with God right there on my coffee. I didn't understand it at the time. I didn't understand it at all. I got up, I got up off my knees from my coffee table and blew my nose. And I had no idea everything that God had done in my life and my heart at that exact moment. But I'm telling you, in the days ahead, I started finding out. And continue to continue. Anyway, okay, okay. So, uh, when we trust Christ, the, the sin that formed that, that, that gulf between us and God, it's removed. And so therefore we have access by faith uh, of every provision, of every provision that God has provided for us, both in this life and in the life to come. Our, 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 our relationship with God has been so radically changed that we no longer have to cringe in fear at the thought of meeting God in all of His glory. In fact, we look forward to that day with great joy. Amen. It's going to be a wonderful thing when we finally see Him face to face. That is an aspect of our salvation that's worth celebrating over and over and over and over again. I think that's why I rehearse my own that's why I rehearse my own salvation so much. I mean, day after day, pretty much, I re rehearse my own salvation. I go back to that spot in my mind where I trusted Christ as my Savior because, I, I, honestly, I just still can't hardly believe He saved my soul. Amen. I'm so very thankful that, that he, he has. We look forward to that day we get to see Him. And that is when, when we trusted Christ, that is, that is what uh, this peace offering symbolizes. It was, a, uh, it was a joyful celebration of someone who knew that it was well with their soul. They'd put their faith in God. Uh, the events for making a peace offering are outlined in Leviticus chapter 3. And a very uh, a fuller explanation uh, of why it is given and what is symbolized is in Leviticus chapter 7 where we read those two chapters. And although there are similarities between the peace offering and the burnt offering, uh, there's some noteworthy differences that stand out. Uh, first off, the, the animal options were narrowed down. The works for sacrifice had to be of his cattle or his sheep or his goats. Uh, birds were not acceptable for the peace offering. Um, the offering could be male or female. It was not restricted either by age. And only select portions of the animal uh, were burned for the peace offerings. The remainder was to be eaten. And uh, I thought this was very interesting. Leavened bread, forbidden in all the other offerings, and all the other offerings was permitted in the peace offering. And the peace offering is the only offering 
offering that could be eaten uh, by the worshiper. And Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 1 describes all the elements of these offerings as a shadow of good things to come. So each one pointed to spiritual blessings that were to come through Jesus Christ one day for, for, for all of us. And through these offerings, God continues to help us see the benefits that we have received through this precious atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so we have to think about the price of peace. What's the price of peace? The blood atonement. The peace that I have with God, the peace you have with God, is because of the blood atonement. That is the reason why. Okay, turn back to chapter 3. <clears throat> chapter 3. And look at verse 2. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering, and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons and the priests shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. So we get this, we get this. The peace offering was initiated, excuse me, by the worshiper, by the worshiper, the one that was bringing it to them. Uh, one of three voluntary sacrifices that an Israelite could make during that time. And the name of this offering comes from the Hebrew word shalom. And it's often used as a word of greeting, a word of welcome. And it voices a condition of well-being. Of well-being. What do you mean, preacher? Well, physical well-being, good health, prosperity, but also emotional well-being, a sense of contentment, a sense of rest, and of course, social well-being, uh, the absence of, get this now, the absence of strife, the absence of conflict. Come on, stay with me here. We're headed someplace with all this stuff. The absence of strife, the absence of conflict. And the purpose of this sacrifice was not to obtain peace with God. It was the burnt offering that accomplished that. But to praise God, to praise God for the peace that they had found in God already. To praise Him. Okay. I've said it in several messages. I've said it. If you've been here a long time, you've heard me say it a lot. I thank God for the peace that I have. That I never experienced until I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God for the peace. You know, sometimes after we get saved and even saved for a few years, even saved for a short, saved for a short time, we, we begin to lose sight of everything that God has done. I, I think we, we need to be more mindful to praise Him for what He has done in our life already. For what He has done. It's a good thing to remember what, what He has done. Uh, and the sacrifice of blood also uh, reminded the worshiper that the peace he enjoyed had been provided because, because another, someone else, was punished in his place. His sins were covered by the blood atonement. And because of that, he had no reason to fear the presence of God because he didn't come by way of his own righteousness. He hadn't worked hard to get there. No, 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 no. But through the innocent sacrifice of someone else, of another. So let's make application there. The uh, New Testament clearly establishes that we have peace with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very clearly. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me just bring us to remembrance about a few, uh, a few scriptures on that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were 
ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, Colossians 1.20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, Romans 5.8. But God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So when we gather to worship God, even like tonight, when we gather to worship God, we need to remember that the first reason God receives, even receives our worship, is because we have peace through uh, peace with him through the sacrifice of his son. Don't look at me like that's not a big deal. That's something that we should always be thankful for, even as we enter into this sanctuary before the service ever begins. But you no, know, if you're saved by the grace of God, you're only saved by the grace of God sitting out there tonight because the Lord Jesus Christ made a sacrifice for you. Amen. He shed his blood for you. And it will help you to have a heart full of worship if you'll remember him, even as you walk into this place, every time you walk into this place, it will help you to have a heart full of worship. Look, we don't meet here just for something to do. We meet here because we want God to meet with us. This isn't something that's just ritualistic. Come on, we don't want it to become ritualistic. It's something that we do, absolutely so. But we, we don't want it just to be some type of religious thing we do. Well, i got to go do my religious duty so I can live the rest of my life during the week, whatever. No, 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 no. That's, no, we don't want it to be that way. We need to remember why we are here. <laughs> we need to remember why we're saved by the grace of God. We're saved by the grace of God, and we do not have to, to suffer the wrath of God in an eternal place called hell because of what Jesus Christ did for us all those years ago when he shed his innocent blood for us. No, it's really a good thing to remember. And we're not sitting here just by, you know, boy, well, God just loves us so much. He gave us his place. Well, hell no, he loves us. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for his love. But the greatest love he ever showed you and me is when he sacrificed his only son. Absolutely. Now, it'll help you to have a heart of worship. But the provision of peace is, is complete acceptance by God. We're there in uh, Leviticus 3. Look at verse number 3. It says, And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by the fire unto the Lord, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver, which, which with the kidneys, it, and, and it shall... And, 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 it shall he take away. And Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is in the fire. It is an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Now, verses like that, really, just really, we're just being honest. Verses like that is what makes Leviticus so exciting. <laughs> we start talking about, you know, inwards and fat and all that. Man, it's just like, whew, I can't wait to read some more of that. Or maybe that's the parts that put you to sleep when you're reading stuff like that. But it is important. It really is important. Come on, we talked Sunday night about studying the Word of God. Somebody say amen if you remember that. And it is important. This stuff is very, very important. And, and it's not in there. He says, well, I can't think of anything to write. So let me see. Let me see. If I can write about the fat of the inwards 
of these animals and surely it'll be a number one bestseller. Oh, come on. I mean, it's not in there. It's in there for a purpose. Truly, it's in there for a purpose. So after the animal had been slain, the blood had been applied to the altar, the worshiper removed these parts of the animal that had a covering of fat. And, and that, that included specific internal organs of all the animals as well as the, the rump and the tail of a sheep. And in, in verse number 16, God says that all the fat of these offerings belong to him. We'll not take time to read it, but that's what it says. You want to go read it. It's, God said all the fat of, of these offerings belong to him. Now we have to understand this. Fat in the Bible is a symbol of prosperity. It's a symbol of favor. It's a symbol of strength. It's a symbol of blessing. Symbol of delight. Fat. Okay, Genesis 45, 18 says this, Ye shall eat the fat of the land. 2 Samuel 1, The fat of the mighty, an indication of superior strength. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, The liberal sow shall be made fat. Proverbs fifteen thirty, A good report maketh the bones fat. Isaiah 55, 2, Eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight in its, uh, del- uh, delight itself in fatness. So the offering of fat symbolizes a happy, right relationship with the Lord. And get this, come on, stay with me here. Hospitality played a major role back in the Middle East. And one way that person extended peace to another person was through a meal. They'd sit down and eat together. And when two people sat down and shared a meal together, listen to me, when they sat down and shared a meal together, all the hostilities and all the differences were to be set aside. They'd set those aside. And one way that demonstrated that you were at peace with your guest is that you offered your guest the best portions of the meat. And these fatty portions were considered delicacies back during this time. And the serving and the consuming of these portions expressed that all was well between the two parties that were eating. And by consuming these fatty portions on the altar and receiving them as a sweet savor, as it says in verse 5 and verse 16, God was demonstrating his complete acceptance of the one making the sacrifice. Let me see if I can explain that just a little bit better. For us. Every born-again believer is accepted by the Father in Christ. Every born-again believer. God is able to be completely at peace with us because He is fully satisfied with the sacrifice of His Son. Fully satisfied. So the peace that we enjoy with God stems solely from the cross. Totally separated from anything in us or anything done by us. Now I'm going to say that again. Because really it's one of the main points that I want to make tonight. The peace we enjoy with God stems solely from the blood that was shed on the cross. Totally separated from anything in us or anything done by us. Let me read you something that one Bible commentator wrote. He wrote this. The blessed God never alters nor diverges from the acceptance in which he has received us because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Alas, we diverge from the state in which God can ever be toward us as recorded in Romans 5, 1 through 11. Many suppose that because they are conscious of sins, hence they must renew their acceptance with God or that they lost their salvation. The truth is that God has not altered. His eye rests on the work accomplished by Christ for the believer. When you are not walking, get this now, when you are not walking in the spirit, you're in the flesh. You have to be restored to fellowship. And when you are, your acceptance with God unchanged and unchangeable. You find your acceptance with God unchanged and unchangeable. So once we're saved by the grace of God, there's nothing that can get us out of that. Nothing can get us out of that. But we can lose fellowship with God. Come on, we can be out of fellowship with God, can't we? Absolutely so. But as he pointed out, no, 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 as he pointed out, when we do what is needed to restore that fellowship, we'll always find out that God is right there. Unchanged. Unchangeable. The reason that we have peace with him is not because of us. Not one iota. Nothing. It's all because of what Jesus did on the cross. So the peace offering prepared the worshiper to enjoy, to enjoy fellowship with God. And we see that more fully in Leviticus chapter 7. Turn back over there. We're going to look at a couple of verses. We're doing great. We're doing great. Leviticus chapter 7. In uh, verse 11. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings. Which he shall offer unto the Lord. So Leviticus 7 increases our understanding of the peace offering. And one truth we see in that portion uh, of the offering that was not burned. uh, uh, We see that the portion of the offering that was not burned was eaten. It It was consumed as a fellowship meal in the presence of God. Verse number 15, and then we go on down to, to, uh, in the, into the chapter, verses 28 through 38. But, but eating on the premises, right there, symbolized a sense of fellowship with the Lord. And that fellowship could be prompted by gratitude for the blessings of God. Look at verse number 12 again, if you would. Excuse me. If he offer it for, if he offer it for a thanksgiving... Then he shall offer with sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes, mingled with oil, and unleavened wafers, anointed with oil, and cakes mingled with oil, and a fine flour fried. Besides the cakes, he shall offer uh, for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. So, so um, uh, we, it could, uh, the fellowship uh, could be prompted by a gratitude of the blessings of God. But fellowship could also... Uh, Fellowship could be an expression of deeper devotion to God also. Deeper devotion. Get this, stay with me. Deeper devotion. Look at verse 16. It says, but if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offered his sacrifice. And on the morrow uh, also the remainder of it shall be eaten. Uh, Vowing, a vow, being closer to God. 
I say it a lot, but I, I you know, and, and I, 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 I couldn't be more sincere when I say it. Um, coming and using these altars at the church as God deals with your heart, whether it be big or small, is always a good thing. No, 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 it's always a good thing. Well, I can take care of stuff right here. There's something about humbling yourself before God. And coming down and renewing. And, and, and even about, Lord, I, I don't want to live this way anymore. I need your help. Lord, I, I, I've stumbled, I've fumbled, I've made mistakes and all. But Lord, I, I, I need that restoration. I want our fellowship to be sweet. I, I want the Word of God to be alive to me. I want to feel like we are right there talking when I'm doing my prayer time. Lord, I, I just need that closeness. I need that fellowship with you. No, no, it's, a, it's always a good thing. It's always a good thing. If we, could, if, we could, if we would take time, no matter how God speaks to us, like I said, whether it be big or whether it be small, to take time to talk to God about where you are. It can always be a good thing. Always be a good thing. Be closer to God. But whatever prompted the worshiper, the worshiper back here, to bring a peace offering, it always ended with the enjoyment of fellowshipping or eating with the Lord. Fellowshipping with the Lord. A portion was given to the priest because we, shall, uh, we share our fellowship with the Lord with others. We do that. The shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ brings us into a relationship with Him, of course, stay with me, and with His people. <laughs> With him and with his people. The, the blood that reconciles us to God also reconciles us to one another. What are you talking about, preacher? Let, let, me, let me read you something over in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 2. In fact, turn over there with me. We're doing good. We're really close to the end. Turn over there with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You can lose your place there in Leviticus. We'll go over here to Ephesians chapter 2 and read a few verses and try to make a point and, and, uh, and see what God has. Ephesians chapter 2. And look at verse number 14. Ephesians 2, verse 14. Oh, let's start in verse 13. Too good to pass up. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were, were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile, listen, watch it. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. 
For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God. We're fellow citizens with the saints. Who's that? Everybody that's born again. In the eyes of God, you're a saint. Don't try to convince your wife of that, sir. Some of you left your humor at home. But in God's eyes, because of the blood of Christ, we're saints. Fellow citizens with the saints. With, with what saints? The saints that are sitting here. The, the saints that are in this room. The, the, the saints that are members of this church. <clears throat> and of the household of God. Atoning blood, get this, no, 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 I, this, no, no, I want, this is, this is, I'm, I'm going to conclude here, but I want you to get this. Atoning blood is reconciling blood. It's reconciling blood. It brings us into relationship to God and into fellowship with God's people. Before I was saved by God's grace, I did not want anything to do with someone like me. Wanted nothing to do with Christian people. But after I got saved by the grace of God, it was amazing that when I met other Christian people, that man, boy, I need more friends like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. God demonstrated his acceptance of the worshiper by consuming the fat on the altar and the worshipers, the priests and the offerers, demonstrated their acceptance of one another by consuming the remainder of the sacrifice together on the grounds of the tabernacle. Well, what's the big deal about that? They celebrated the presence of God and the gracious acceptance he extended to them together. Together. God describes his church as a household. As a Members of the same family. And the faith that brings us into relationship with God. Brings us into a relationship with one another. Isn't that right brother Abram. And sister Amy. Oh no no that's why we call each other brother. And sister. Because all of us that are saved by the grace of God, because of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you like it or not, are now related. 
Yeah. We are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And we gather together as a family to worship the Lord. And to encourage one another in the faith. In the faith. Come on, we are to encourage one another in the faith. I wouldn't have you raise your hand on this, but, uh, you know, if I was to ask and have you raise your hand, I'm pretty sure there'd be some hands raised if everybody was honest. No, no, I don't want you to raise hands. But if I was to ask, well, who could use some real encouragement tonight? I'm feeling like, you know, some hands would probably go up. No, no, we're to encourage one another in the faith. To help each other be closer to God. And to live by faith. And to live the life that God would have us to live. I'm not talking about talking down to people and you ought to straighten your life out. It's not what I'm talking about. And that's not what God's talking about. We're to be helping one another. And, and we, are, we are Baptist, so we like to eat. Come on, I know there's more to being a Baptist than that, but... You know, so sometimes to sit down around the table with other believers, you know, at a good meal, and just talk about how good God's been, and how He's helped you, and now he can be a help to them. Oh, come on. And it doesn't have to be around a meal all the time. But hallelujah. That we have brothers and sisters in Christ. That don't have magnifying glasses out. Trying to find all the wrong that's wrong. Or that's, or that's, that's in us. Amen. That's good preaching if I am doing it. They're not trying to look for all the bad things so they can gossip a little bit more. Oh, no, 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 no. They're trying to find some way they can encourage their brothers and sisters in Christ to stay close to God. Do what God wants them to do. To do what God wants them to do. Well, how come? Because they know that they're going to be blessed if they're doing what God wants them to do. And so, no, no. If we're not getting encouragement... From our brothers and sisters in Christ, where are we going to get it? Where are we going to find it? Well, I tell you, I, you know, I just, I, preacher, I just, you know, it's, I, I, I really don't want to be around it. Well, then you've got a problem. No, no, there, there's got to be a, no, no, stay with me. I'm not being ugly about this. There's got to be a heart problem out there if you don't want to be around your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's got to be a heart problem. I'm talking about being, being around good folks that love the Lord and trying to do right and trying to encourage. No, no, no. You don't like being around people like that. There's something wrong here that needs to be taken care of. Because it's God Himself who made us brothers and sisters in Christ. God Himself did that. Come on, don't check out on me yet. God did that.
The same blood that reconciles us to God makes it possible to be reconciled to one another. And in demonstration of the spirit of reconciliation, God instructs us, listen, to pray for one another, uh, to forgive one another, to uh, bear one another's burdens, to love one another, and to serve one another. The peace we have freely received from God is to be liberally shared with the other members of our household of faith. I don't think there's anything much better that could be said about a church than that that church is unified. That, that nobody's trying to make a name for themselves. Nobody's trying to be better than the other person. They're all just trying to be what God would have them to be. And as they do that, then they strive to help others, to edify others, to exhort others, to encourage others to be what God would have them to be. Because we get a lot of discouragement from this world, don't we? And we even get a lot of discouragement from the old devil, don't we? All those negative thoughts that come into your head that you don't know where they're coming from. I know where they're coming from. Because we have a real enemy. And he'll do everything he can to keep us from being unified as brothers and sisters in Christ. He'll do everything he can. We have to be careful. Some people seem to be stuck in, stuck in one little group. One little click, you know, never seem to reach out to others around them. That's not good. It's not healthy. Not at all. We have a lot of new people in the church. Hallelujah. Wonderful thing. We have a lot of new people in the church right now. A lot of new Christians. There's a lot of new Christians that need to see what being a Christian's all about. Well, we're supposed to show that, right? If you have a hard time showing it here, you're going to have a hard time showing it anywhere. Some of you, I feel like it's a race to see who can leave the parking lot first. How about hanging around just a little bit and going and visiting with somebody, maybe even somebody you don't know? I mean, at least learning their name, you know? If we're going to be unified, I mean, we'll probably need to know one another, don't we? Hey, I'm smiling. I ain't mad. That's a good thing. Are, are you one that's so... Are you one that's showing that type of Christianity to other people? Or you just think it's all about you? 
Because it's not all about you, it's all about Him. There's no perfect Christians in here. Somebody say amen there. None. But we need one another. Whether we want to act like it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, we need one another. And you know, there's probably some people in here that have held a grudge against someone else in the church for no telling how long. Is that really Christ-like? That you have some holding some grudge against someone? I mean, God forgave you for so much. Do you really think it's right that you wouldn't forgive others? And make things right with others? There's probably people right now in this room tonight that are out of fellowship with God. Just out of fellowship with God. Your prayer life hadn't been what it needed to be for a long, long time. Your Bible reading's dead as a hammer. And you're out of fellowship with God. Why not come tonight and repent and get that fellowship restored? Well, preacher, it's, it's Wednesday night. This is just supposed to... No, 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 no. We, we, it's Wednesday night. We meet with God with great hopes that He meets with us. We meet with God with great hopes that He would speak to our heart personally and point out things in our life that need to be corrected so we can make those things right. Come on, in any service, if we get to feeling like it's just a formality, we go through this, and they'll sing a couple of songs, and the preacher get up there and holler about some stuff, try to make me feel bad, and but, you know, I like, I, I've got, you know, my favorite shows on television. No, 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 no. We, we come here hoping that God will meet with us and speak to us that we might make things right first and foremost with Him and then even with others if need be. How is your fellowship with God? I mean, real fellowship with God. Oh, your relationship with God, it's still the same as it always was when you got saved. No, you're truly born, born again by the Spirit of God. Your relationship with God is just fine, but your sin has pulled you away from having that sweet fellowship with Him that you once had. Here's the great thing, and I'm done. The blood of Jesus Christ can fix all that. Now it can fix all that, truly. If you'll just do what is necessary. If you'll just do what is necessary. Make sure that there is peace between you and God and your brothers and sisters in Christ before you leave this place tonight. You might sleep better than you slept in a long, long time if you were to do that. There's possibility. Let's stand. Stand with me. Father, you know what's needed. You know how you spoke to hearts. We pray, Lord, that folks would respond in a manner that will be a sweet smell and savor to you and that will help not only them but their brothers and sisters